Okay. Let me get all this going. Okay. Uh, so I'm reading in I'll Take My Stand by 12 Southerners. And I'm still in the introduction. Uh, let me get where I started. Southerners have a uh, file duty to discharge to their own section. But their cause is precarious and they must seek alliance with sympathetic communities everywhere. The members of the present group would be happy to be counted as members of the National Agrarian Movement. Agrarian, that just means farmers, basically, pretty much. So I'm not reading nothing that should get anybody upset and mad at me. This is just an agrarian or a farmer's book uh, talking about the difference between what the South has to do, do and what the Northerners do, did. And you got to think, this is 1930s. Because normally I, I read, it seems like lately I've been reading a lot of older books lately because, you know, there's this thing right now. It's all stuff. And I stopped right here because uh, this intro had that little line. So that's why I'm blabbing off. Okay, so um, I'm reading this book. I'm not trying to get myself into trouble because, you know, right now here in 2022, you know, everybody's like up in the air. So, and some of these words are very big words. Uh, even with me being a college graduate, uh, I've been around, you know, non, uh, non higher educated folks a lot. So, uh, and this, you gotta think it's been a while. Okay. Um, and I like history, so this is just pretty much a history book. Okay. Let me get back to the book. Um, and it starts industrialism is the economic organization of the collective American society. It means that decisions of the society to invest its economic resources in an applied science. But the word science is acquired, has acquired a certain sustain, stan, stanitude. Uh, that's a weird word. S-A-N-C-T-I-T-U-D-E. Stanitude. And you gotta think, some of these words are hard for me to speak, especially with this southern accent. Okay. It is out of order to quarrel with science in the abstract, or even with the applied science, sciences when their applications are made subject to criticism and intelligence. Oh, okay. So this is very, very high up uh, stuff. Okay. The capitalization of the applied science, sciences have now become extravagant and uncritical. It has enslaved our human um, energies to a degree now clearly felt 
to be burdensome. <laughs> and this is 1930. Sounds more like today. The apologetics of industrialism is not do not like to meet the cha uh, charge directly. Meet this charge directly. So they often old book take refuge in saying that they are devout devoted simply to science they are really devoted to the applied sciences and the practic practical production therefore it is necessary to employ a certain skepticism even at the expense of the cult of science and to say i am an american it is americanism which looks innocent and disinterested but really is not e either hmm. oh so this is really a book that i might get in trouble for huh. okay Okay, had to stop, had the little wiggly lines stop. Okay, the contribution that science can make to a labor is to render it easy, but to help of a tool or progress and to assure the labor of its perfect economic security will he, while he is, engaged upon it then it can be performed with leisure and enjoyment but the modern labor has not exactly uh, received the benefit uh, under the industrial regime yeah regime okay his labor is hard it is temple Tempo is fierce, and his employment is unsecure. The first principle of good labor is that it must be effective, but the second principle it is that it must be enjoyed. Labor is one of the first items in the human career. It is the modest demand to ask that it, it may partake of happiness. And it's got the squiggly line again. The regular act of applied science is to introduce into labor a labor-saving device or machine. Whether this is a benefit depend whether it is a benefit depends on how far it is advi advisable to save the labor. The philosophy of applied science in general, quite sure that the saving of labor is pure gain and that the more of it the it the more of it the better. This is to assume that labor is an evil that only the end of labor or the material product is good. On the assumption labor becomes miraculously, 
Merak, M-E-R-C-A-C-E-N-A-R-Y, Mercenary and Servile. Yeah. And it is no wonder if any forms of modern labor are accepted without resentment through they uh though they are eventually brutalized like i said it's got some big words in here and i hadn't read big words in a quite a while and no the the witness squiggly line i stopped because whew, that brutalized it was brutalizing yeah for sure okay okay let's get back that the labor is one of the happy functions of human life has been in effect abandoned and is practiced and is practiced solely f- for its uh, reward. Now it has the squiggly line. Even the apologists of industrialism have been obligated to admit that some economic evils. Follow in the wake of the machines. Okay, now I get the intro. It's talking about the machines, which is true. Technology and machines are basically technology. Okay. These are such uh, as overproduction, underemployment, and the growing inequality in the... the distribution distribution of wealth but the remedies proposed by the apologists are always homopathic and that's h-o-m home like house Um, they expect the evils to disappear when we have bigger and better machines and more of them. Huh? Yeah, we're now almost 80 years from there. Almost not. Ooh. Yeah, we're a long way from there. Okay. The remil, uh, the remil, remedical programs, therefore, took forward to more industrialism. Sometimes they see the system writing itself spontaneously and without direction. We are the optimists. Excuse me for a second. <coughs> we are the optimists. Okay, sometimes they rely on the benevolent of capital or the materialarian. Matil- M I L I T A N Matilicy of labor to bring about the fair division of the spoils. They are cooperate cooperatives or socialists. Ah, starting to talk about this stuff. Well, yeah, gotta think. Nineteen thirties about about the time of. So, this is basically cooperationist or socialist. Okay, let me get back. And sometimes they expect to find super 
engineers in the shape of board of control, boards of control, who will uh, adapt production to adapt production to consumption and regulate prices and guarantee business against fluctuations. They are the chauvinists. So are chauvinists. Yeah, this what it says. S-O-V-I-E-T chauvinist. With respect to these last, it must be insisted that the true social the true socialist or communist <laughs> if the term may be used here in the European sense are the industrialists themselves. I'm laughing because this is really, really weird. I'm listening to the news and I'm reading this book and it's got all these words in it. And this is 1930s. Ah, okay, let me get back. They would have the government set up an economic super organization, which in turn would become the government. We therefore look upon the communist menace as a menace indeed, but not as a red one, because it is simply according to the blind drift of our industrial industrialists on industrial development to expect America at last much the same economic system as the impose of violence upon Russia in 1917. Yeah, that's when, yeah, that's, yeah, 1917 is when the communists was taken over and the, when they killed the czar and all. So this is kind of, this introduction right here is kind of giving you a bit of, um, History, and I was laughing because you know it said communist red wave and all this stuff, all this stuff that's going on in the news today. Um, my name is Loretta Nash. You are listening to the Loretta Nash Show. It's almost time for a break, and and I'm at a squiggly line in this book called "I'll Take My Stand" by Twelve Southerners. And I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> 